You ever been walking through the Navy Exchange and wonder why all the Naval Pride and Heritage gear is horrifically ugly and you wouldn't actually wear it? Have you ever wanted some really cool gear and you just don't know where to go? Well, I got you, fam. Go to dgutsapparel.com immediately. Get yourself some Naval Pride and Heritage gear you'll actually wear in public. Uh, we're working on new designs all the time, open to ideas. We're trying to create a brand that uh, lets you display that pride, but doesn't make you cringe. Uh, also, if you're willing to and you're able to, please go to patreon.com slash podcast, pick one of the five tiers and become a patron today. What's up, everybody? Let's spin some yarn. So we got these Pond memos, these call to action memos, and uh, I saw them on social media, uh, but I hadn't had a chance to review them until today. And... Um, they're kind of, I mean, there's the good and bad and ugly, I guess it's, it's, I see, let me, let me talk about them generally first. And I, and then I took a bunch of notes and we'll get into that. But so to start, I see what they were trying to accomplish sort of. And what I mean by that is from the from the nosebleed seats, which is where the I mean the Mikpon is so far removed from the real Navy, um, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, there's a hundred layers between him and like a deck plate sailor, right? So it's part of it is the role that he's in uh, in a, in a certain type of way handicaps him or her eventually. Like I'm you know I'm sure we'll see it. You know, I really thought Beldo was going to get in there, but um, anyway, so the uh, it he's so far removed and having been at like super high level flag CMC positions, force and fleet and all that kind of stuff on the way to the McPon seat. He's been in this ecosystem of um, like leading from the ivory tower type thing uh, for a really long time. So some of that's probably some conditioning and um, some of it is just like he's he's so far removed that there's a certain amount of the functionality of like communicating to the fleet that's going to have to go down through that hundred layers right of chain of command. Um, there's a, a very sound argument for cutting out the middleman and leveraging the Internet and like social media and all these other platforms uh, to do a lot of things that uh, he can't do by flying around the Navy for a year, which is what the first thing said. Like it says, I spent the first year as your master chief petty officer Navy setting the pace for change and communicating that need. Like, what does that even mean? Like you flew around the Navy and did all hands calls where you gave non-answer answers to questions and effectively accomplished nothing. I'm sure when he was in D.C., like so this is the my Russ Smith argument all the time is when they're in D.C., they're doing a lot that we don't see. Right. Dudes like arguing with all kinds of people to advocate for the Navy as a whole, the enlisted force for McPon, um, testifying for Congress, trying to get funding for things doing. Yeah, like like trying to navigate that political just dumpster fire, I'm sure. Uh, banging his sizable head against the wall, trying to get things like that pushed through and funded and supported by the people that we need 
to to support them so that they can actually fulfill some of the needs that he delineates in these documents and that we all know exist right like more child care is one of the things russ smith mentioned during that infamous all hands call so i'm sure he's do i, I don't want to like say that i like i from all accounts from people i i know and love and respect uh jim honey is a great dude cares about sailors wants to do great great things right i'm i, I want to like lay that foundation i don't know the man i i've never talked to him uh never heard him speak outside of like the things he puts on the internet so I, i'm not passing judgment on him as a person um, some of it will f- maybe on him as a leader in the current position in the way that he communicates. It's a very specific thing that I'm talking about. And I just want to make that clear. It's like this isn't like a Mick Pond bashing session because I, I'm not in a position to to analyze him as a as a leader on a daily basis or, you know, any of those things. Right. Um, I don't even know that I'm a qualified judge in a lot of ways because I've never been in like he went through all these positions and has functioned in those environments like i've seen somebody do it at a low level command uh a low level flag job but like that's it like i've never done it myself i've never so it's like that's one of those things i just want to qualify what i'm talking about here with those kinds of things like i I don't even know the guy but um him being in the position that he's in i think he understands his communication pathways to the fleet uh, as being from like two generations ago and like I, I think he understands them them to be very limited uh, and that almost like there's a way that you're supposed to do it uh, and I think I mean that that should almost be the name of the episode it's like I think he understands the way that he's supposed to communicate with the mess is via documents like this um, in this type of a way you see a lot of like the officer uh rub in some of these documents too especially his priorities document which i I have up as well right like he has which like to be fair i think these are the probably the greatest mcpon warfighting priority or uh priorities i've ever seen right they're focused on things that like reddit i feel like would just openly applaud right the first one's warfighting competency there's plenty of of um like sea lawyers and and like uh E5 prophets out there that that like to wax philosophical about how our warfighting competency is suffering and how when we get into shooting war with, you know, state actor, whatever, we're going to we're going to have issues, including me. Right. I'm one of the people that feels that way. I know a lot of people that feel that way, like feel like that in the peacetime Navy environment, we have our attention divided on all these things that don't really matter and that will immediately melt away as soon as somebody starts shooting at us. And and I think that's true, right? And so the first one he's got listed is warfighting competency, building combat, combat teams. And he goes in, there's a paragraph about that. This is all on the MCPON. If you Google MCPON, he's got like a leadership page. And if you go down to like, it's uh, the link is MCPON department exclusives, all the documents, vi- mission, vision, guiding principles, teaching the creed curriculum, like all laying the keel, all that crap is there. So are these memos and this uh mcpon 16 priorities thing and uh i noticed while i was there downloading these things they his staff has made a bunch of changes to that page that i think are really productive and in response to the feedback from the reddit ama and some other mechanisms where there are a bunch of videos of his all hands calls there if you want to go listen to them there's um 
I closed the browser already, but there is some other uh, there's some other stuff that wasn't there before. Right. Uh, there's videos of all hands calls. And then there's some other videos that I think that like his communications team recorded in D.C. and like made some fancy edited videos. But there's a there's a his Facebook page is like embedded in the thing, which I don't think was there before. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff there that you can see there's efforts being made, right? Like you can see that he, that him and his staff are trying to respond to those types of asks. Right. And so like, even though I was critical of his response during the AMA of like transcribing or recording or whatever, the, uh, all hands calls, th there are videos of all his all hands calls on his page, right? Who's going to his page? Me, <laughs> like not that many people like chiefs that are trying to find these documents, but uh, they're there. They might be on his social media pages too. I haven't checked. So, but that there, there's some responsiveness there. Uh, the the other two uh, priorities he has: professional and character development, which I think is really important. Um, you know, like I'm not. I'll get into some of this because he delineates it in these letters too to the chiefs. But um, that one, it's like I I applaud the sentiment, but the way that it's explained is pretty rough and then quality of life like come on I, like that's all you see everybody complaining about and it needs to be fixed in so many ways right like the like housing issues barracks uh child care just on and on and on it goes quality of life is horrific pay pay issues like just and i'll get into a little bit of that too but they i i, I like them I, like I like that they exist and I like that they're focused on things that sailors on the deck plate actually give a crap about. Right. Um, but and there's always a but. Right. Uh, like we'll get into the implementation pieces. Right. But the so he's got three supporting letters. Only two of them are released right now. I've got war fighting competency and uh, the professional personal development one. And then he's got a quality of life one inbound. Obviously, the subjects are mirroring his priorities. Um, but the, the having those priorities thing, that's very much a CNO thing, right? And maybe the CNO told him to do it. I don't know. But like you see a little bit of the way in which these things are communicated. There's like an officer uh, like cultural component to it and how vague these things are without any meaningful action or function or infrastructure and support and money and detailed uh, like things to do like that part of it is a very officer type thing to me right where it's like high and I mean like high high level flag officers will communicate to the myriad of other flag staffs out there like hey this is what I want done and they'll give them some like boundaries right like uh, some some guidelines like hey this is what I want these are the th these are the metrics I want to meet or like these are the things that I want to accomplish and here's like a, a timeline but other than that they kind of like leave it up to those uh, those lower level flag staffs and lower level command leaders to figure out how to do it. Right. That's how these documents feel to me where they've, they've been given like a, a, a very vague roadmap of priorities. And then it's just on the command senior enlisted uh, or like the lower level flag senior enlisted regionally and all that kind of stuff to go figure out how to do this, which I think is insane and uh, just kind of ridiculous. It's like you get these types of things and I think they get dismissed inside the inbox of a lot of these command SELs because it's like they're all so overwhelmed with all these other priorities. And the, like he makes mention of um, I think it's the first letter about like chiefs putting out fires. Uh, 
where let me see if I can find the exact line. Um, so it says we as chiefs are very good at taking care of the day to day work and routine assignments. We excel at putting out fires and responding to emergencies of all types. Our Navy has chiefs that believe that is all ex- all that is expected of them. Um, if you're a chief that comes to work just in time to receive the plan today, execute, execute the routine schedule and solve problems. You're not meeting the standards of a chief petty officer. I both agree and disagree. So like the we have adapted to an environment where juggling flaming chainsaws is the norm, right? We've adapted to an environment where we don't have enough people. We don't have enough resources. We don't have enough time in the day to do the things that are delineated in these documents. So we've just it's it's the National Geographic channel, man. Like we're just adapting to the environment and everybody's in survival mode. And so they're putting out fires and responding to emergencies. That doesn't mean that that's all they're doing because they're lazy, like because that's even that's counterintuitive. If I was just going to come in and punch a clock, I wouldn't be coming in and just like putting out fires and juggling flame. Yeah, you know I mean, like I would come in and like just exist. So it's like and like, I mean, maybe what he means is like they're coming in and just doing enough to not get yelled at. Like they're just dealing with the emergencies and solving the problems that they need to to stay out of the spotlight with like the CO and the CMC. But I don't know, like that to me, that feels a little backwards. I think what you're looking at is a population of chiefs that are, have adapted to this environment of like that. What they there's nothing else they can do. Like they're just in survival mode. They're running around playing Dutch boy. Like put, put my finger in this hole. Put my finger in this hole. Put my foot in in this hole. And then like uh, seven more holes like open up, and I got more even more leaks. And I can't. You know what I mean? Like which one do you want me to plug? Like where do you where would you like my attention? Because like if if I take my attention away from these other things, they're going to be on fire again. And so you're just you're in this impossible catch 22, like where there's not really a viable solution. So you go in, you prioritize the fires and you start putting them out. I don't think he's wrong in the sentiment, right? Like the idea that we should be doing better than that is sound. It's just you have to recognize the environment that we're in. You can't just you can't just fire and forget a memo like this. You can't just say, hey, do a better job. Like, how? (laughs) Like, you think I don't want to do a better job? Like, how? How do I do that? What would you like me to do differently? I don't have enough people to man the watch bill that you want me to have a comprehensive watch bill replacement plan for. I don't even have enough people to man it currently. Like, I don't have enough bodies to qualify, let alone qualified people. And then if I do scrape by and get just enough qualified people through, like, borrowing people from other other ships and stuff and whatever, and then, like, somebody goes down or somebody transfers or somebody separates, and then it's like, then I, and I don't even have a person to train and qualify half the time. So it's like, like, where would you like me to draw on to get the the support for this comprehensive watch bill replacement plan? Like some of these things, like I don't disagree that we should have a comprehensive watch bill replacement plan, but how do I do that? How, how do I accomplish that when I don't even have enough people to man a watch bill, period? I don't have enough people to do anything, right? And then it's like, oh, okay, I gotta, I gotta train and qualify these people I got to have time to train and qualify these people. I have to have time to do that, which means I have to have like enough people to do all the things so that my attention can be devoted to training and qualifying. You see what I'm saying? See where I'm going with this? Like, it's just 
we do more with less. That's like, I mean, he might as well have published memos like warfighting competency and then bullet number one, do more with less, signed to McPon 16. You know, like, and, and again, I think his heart's in the right place. I just think you're 100 layers removed and you're in a position where it's like you, you're firing out these vague memos with this guidance that it's like, yeah, okay, but how? Um, let's see. This is, I'm on warfighting competency. So, um, he acknowledges the substandard chiefing, which I touched on already, though I'm not sure he has a good grasp on the details. And I, and I went into that as far as like, I don't think he understands the problems chiefs are having. And that would be a really interesting study. Um, get get a bunch of the people, I don't know, like on your staff, on the Buper staff, on the somewhere staff, CNP, maybe, I don't know. And do like a, a study where you could use online surveys and just almost like a DOC survey, but only for chiefs and ask a lot of questions in different formats, like multiple choice with ratings and like some like essay questions and all kinds of other stuff on like, what are you struggling with? Why are you struggling? Like, blah, 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 blah. And like, it'd be an interesting study that I think would be extremely valuable to somebody in his position. Of course, by the time he gets it, there's going to be a new McPon, which is another reason why I have a problem with them spending the first year in office jet setting around the Navy. Not and I, I don't think that function, the all hands call function has much value at all. I think he should just show up on unannounced places and just him and his aide and just like, you know, interact with the fleet, because if you're really going out there to learn like what's going on with sailors and what's going on in the fleet. You're not doing that at an all hands call. You're not doing that by touring a ship with an entourage and taking a bunch of pictures. Like that's not all you're doing is making sailors lives lives more difficult than they need to be on that day. Um, the telling us to make time part. So this, this was fun. Uh, it says chiefs make time to reflect on their leadership, their teams and what it will take to develop a clear path to success to keep their eye on the horizon makes like a nautical analogy of storm clouds. It's like, dude, make time like, (laughs) come on, man. I, I'm not a wizard. I'm not an alchemist. How the fuck am I supposed to make time? Like I don't, people are already, already just burning the candle at both ends. All the lines are fraying about to snap just like white knuckling it as they redline their way through a naval career. And your answer is make time. I want to make time to go home and have dinner with my family. I want to make time to pick my kid up on time at the fucking CDC. I want to make time to do anything physically or mentally beneficial to my long-term health, right? I don't have time to do any of that. I'm mainlining energy drinks and nicotine to get through this experience. And you want me to make time to reflect on my leadership? What the fuck does that even mean? You, you, you it's, uh, it's such an unrealistic cop out. And I'm just like, come on, man. Like, how am I supposed to make time? Like, you have to, like, and like the survey function and more robust feedback functions and all kinds of other, like, just paying attention to internet meme pages for fuck's sake. Like, you will understand the absurdity 
of that line if you were even trying to pay attention to those things. I can't, and so, again, some of it is programmatic, man. Like some is, is this guy is a dinosaur. I'm not, me. I don't mean that as an insult. I just mean that he's an antique. He's been in the Navy forever. He's an old guy, probably joined in the 80s, early 90s. It's like probably early 90s. Um, It's just like, he came up in a different Navy. So like the context in his mind is, is that Navy, not the Navy that we have today. And he was brought up and conditioned and taught and learned how to do things in a wildly different way than we're doing things now. And I'm not saying like he's in, he's completely incompetent. He's just dated. And so it's like putting a line out like this is like, Dude, like this isn't that Navy anymore. This isn't the Navy where you can just say stuff like this to a person that has like, <laughs> and I don't know if like the leadership competence was higher back then or um, probably expectations were lower, maybe a combination of both. But like this isn't that that uni- a universe where you can say that line to somebody and it has any meaningful impact besides pissing them off as reflected in the rant I just went on, like that, that's not real anymore. Um, I, yeah, I'll let that, I'll finish that up. Um, so it says, <laughs> I, I hate when they say it. chiefs must think strategically. Okay. One neat. Like when did you teach us how to do that? Who knows how to do that? Thinking strat- and, and this is my analysis of what that means. So thinking strategically and thinking tactically, Two different, and this is like more of like a a Jocko reference. Uh, If you're into his stuff, you'll understand what I mean. Tactical stuff is like what I'm doing on the deck plate, like how I'm executing the the mission. Right? Strategic is like planning, uh, command priorities, MCPON priorities, like like the the more vague, like long term planning. These are our goals. This is the direction we want to head. These are our priorities. These are our values. Um, planning on how to get to those places, knowing that the plan might change. Um, some of like the techniques or like the war fighting competencies that we'll need to do the thing, that kind of, that's strategic thinking. Chiefs thinking strategically is fucking useless. I'm just like, unless you're a flag level CMC or like a squadron CMC, thinking strategically for like a divisional LCPO you could have a kindergartner's understanding of geopolitics and it won't affect your ability to do your job in any way, right? As long as you understand that you're on our team, that you have a, uh, an American flag on your uniform, have to, well, we used to have them on poopy seats and stuff. I don't, I guess the patches, if they're actually wearing like the, the default NW patches, you have an American flag, but you know what I mean? As long as you know what team you're on and you know that when they say go, you go, it's like, you don't need to think strategically. You don't need to, he even mentions like the national defense strategy. We reviewed that at the senior enlisted academy. I've never thought about it again. Like I have a, a passive interest in geopolitics just because I think it's interesting. Like I pay attention to the conflict in Ukraine and what Russia's doing and what China's doing and a bunch of other stuff just because I'm a dork and I have like this passive complete, interest completely unrelated to my role in leadership or my former job, right? A divisional LCPO doesn't need to know anything 
about this stuff. If you want to pursue that in your free time for some reason, because you're a dork like me and you're just interested, cool. But this line, you should understand how command mission supports the objectives of overall national strategy. For what? Why? Explain it to me because I've never, it's just something some admiral decided was a good idea. Oh, I want my chiefs to understand the national defense strategy. Like go read that document, try to get 20% into it, into it without wanting to like jump off a short pier. You know, like I, I just, it's, it's of all the things you need to be focused on. If that doesn't even chart, that's not even an honorable mention. You don't need to know that at all almost ever for most standard careers. Like I never got, I was a master chief when I retired. I never was in a position where I needed to understand that ever. Right. And like even people wearing command cookies to work until you get like where you're at like a squadron level or above like an ISIC TICOM level, then yeah. Okay. Start looking into that stuff, especially if you plan to pursue going force fleet, you know, like getting as high as you can in those types of positions. Then yeah. Like then you need to start understanding those things, but like, <laughs> just come on, man, of all the things, like of all the things who gives a flying. <sighs> yeah. Um, Okay, being sorry, I'm just like glitching a little bit. Being the technical expert, just because that's so ridiculous. Being the technical expert takes away from being the instant. Oh, okay. So this is he's talking about. Um, I started reading my notes as if that was going to give me an idea. <laughs> so it says the third bullet he has: a chief must be without any doubt the technical expert. We've talked about this in the podcast before. Like, okay, if you it, like the institution is saying the chief is a technical technical expert, do I think? that should be true sort of right and I, I mentioned this i was like on one of the recent podcasts of like i don't expect a chief to be able to do maintenance better than a, a fully qualified senior second class i do expect that chief to have a far more in-depth understanding of the policy the uh procedural stuff the like safety requirements planning and execution of maintenance like the the stuff that it, it's like you call it technical expertise and really what it is is like um like you we're talking about two different things i think a lot of people when they say technical expertise they're really talking about like it's more like technical proficiency in doing the thing and and uh, i mean senior se qualified se senior second classes that have a lot of experience actually doing these maintenance items continuously are going to have a really great understanding of the piece, like a really in-depth detailed understanding of the gear, how it works, how like when I like think about like this is a, this is going to date me hard, but like back when Nintendo existed right, like the original Nintendo and you take the disc out and blow in it and then like put it back in to get it to work. Like you'd have to do all these weird things to like, or like the TVs with an antenna where you had to like do all this weird stuff to get it to work properly. It's like the senior second class is going to know that stuff. He's going to know that that machine needs a little love here, a little tap there, a little mechanical agitation over here to get it to work right. Right. Even though the procedure says what the procedure like I expect them to understand the procedure, understand the technical documents that like tell you how that piece of gear works. But like the policy and all the like the the like wider scope stuff like there's never been a second class that I've encountered ever that had a deeper 
uh, like depth and breadth of like overall like rating knowledge than I did when I was wearing khakis, right? Part of that is because I did what the McPon mentions in here was just like continually focusing and improving and studying and being in the books, right? But if I have to sit down and do the thing that I have all that knowledge in my head about, which isn't my role, right? That's that second class is going to is going to crush me at doing that thing. That doesn't mean like there's all this stuff that I can teach that second class how to do that they don't know how to do. But there's a thing that they can do way better than I can at the moment. That doesn't mean they know more about it than me. And that's they're two different things. And I think that like if we're going to say chiefs are the technical expert, I think we need to redefine that in more detail so that chiefs actually understand what that means. Um, And if we're going to this is the real issue that I have. It's like, okay, institution decided we're the technical experts. We're going forward that. Got it. I, I, I understand why I like kind of agree. Um, if we're going to say that, then being a technical expert takes away from being an institutional expert. Right. Because you want me to be both. It says it, it everywhere. Right. Like mission vision guiding principles, eval everywhere. Like if we're going to say that I have to be a technical expert and like not only a technical expert generally, but I have to be able to teach that stuff. I have to be able to get people qualified. I have to do all these. So like if that's my primary role, I'm, I'm advising the CEO, I'm briefing maintenance, I'm doing all these. If that's my primary role as a divisional LCPO, and, and I really think they need to define those roles, right? Like a divisional LCPO is a technical expert. A department LCPO is maybe more of an institutional expert and a, an advisor to the technical expert stuff. But like it, there's so much that we try to put on the chief. It's like you can't. It's not realistic. And it's so vague that it's left to me to figure out which flaming chainsaws I'm going to keep juggling. And that's where you get this like uh divided attention issue where it's like I, okay p- what do i do here make me pick one tell me what you want me to do otherwise i'm going to pick one and then you're going to be pissed and then we're going to get these documents saying that we have substandard performing chiefs and it's like you, you no know, like you need to tell us what to do not communicate via vague documents that don't really tell me anything right cuz these don't they don't really tell me anything not cuz like at a divisional chief level i need to be told like, I need you to tell me what you want. And then I will, I promise I'll do everything I can to give it to you. But in the absence of that kind of direction, which when you filter it down through those hundred layers of, of you know, cookie wearing people, uh, by the time it gets to that divisional chief, like, that, I mean, no one's, no, because those people aren't, aren't then like taking this document and distilling it down to give really clear guidance to these divisional level chiefs on here's the priorities for your warfighting community platform and role like as a divisional chief so i think you need to you need to start to do that you need to very clearly define what these roles are and we can do a more general definition of the duties and responsibilities of ranks so like senior chief master chief chief and positions right like divisional chief department chief those types of things right i think that when you do that, you're going to start to see a lot of the issues go away because then this divisional chief doesn't have to focus on institutional expertise in quite the same way because at those CDBs that the McPon later says in one of the, these memos are so important, that department chief will be there. 
the command SEL should be at a command level one, if that's what the instruction still says. But like, you know what I mean? Like they're, they're, I don't need this chief to be everything to everyone all the time. And that's what we're telling them to do. And that's impossible. So that's what I have a problem with. You need to have like a department chief function, which on a lot of platforms isn't even real. Like it's it, on a summary. It's like a collateral duty for a divisional chief. And it's like, I, I don't have the bandwidth to do both. I need a department chief that's just the department chief so they can do department chief things, allow freeing me up to do divisional chief things, but we don't want to put resources into any of those things. So we just like, you know, band-aids on bullet holes. Um, I, I think, well, I, I guess, so like the technical mastery thing, it says make technical mastery the number one priority and reward it. We need warriors that can maintain our platforms to include themselves, uh, <laughs> combat ready and operational when casualties occur. So like the problem here, it's like telling chiefs, hey, we need to make this like technical mastery the number one priority. It's not something that chiefs can accomplish for you. Not the, not in the way that you envision it and when you wrote that, right? You if you want technical mastery to be the number one priority, it starts with you. It starts with bupers. It starts with the the like rating managers uh, f that are charged with like ECP revisions um, and like the what we're putting in the precepts. It's like if you're going to say technical mastery is the number one priority, cool, make it the number one priority. And that's that that concept applies to almost everything in all these documents. It's like, okay, you want this, these behaviors to be the priority. You want sailors on the deck plate, junior sailors who are a thousand layers removed from you to make technical mastery the number one priority. You want these divisional chiefs, department chiefs, command SELs at like the, the operational unit level to make technical mastery the number one priority. Okay, neat. Let's do it. Make it the number one priority, which you have not done. Right. Go go read all the enlisted career paths that are the primary source document for promotion to chief criteria. That's what we were briefed at the board in Millington to use at like this is the Bible. This is this over everything. Right. And those things talk about a whole bunch of other stuff that have nothing to do with technical mastery. Right. It's like, OK, if you want that to be the thing, make it the thing. Right. Make it the thing for everybody. All that we just we just deleted the E4 exam. You want technical mastery to be the most important thing. Maybe make sure an E4 is technically like has technical mastery of anything instead of just auto promoting them. Like there's there's all these signals that are being sent out to the fleet that it's not the priority. You see collateral cowboys getting EPs and awards and getting promoted while the guy or the gal that are just Folk, like just laser focused on technical mastery and mission accomplishment, doing the best possible job they can to like really align with these memos are not getting promoted. They're not getting ranked high. They're not getting sailor of the quarter, right? They're getting marginalized because they're not also doing all those other things. And it's like the collateral cowboys do just enough to make it look like they're doing those things. And then they go do the collateral things and, and sailor 360 and all these, you know what I mean? Like bake sales was the meme. They do all these superfluous things that are going to fall away whenever we start getting shot at and getting promoted for it. So sailors are seeing that, oh, like I don't actually need to be laser focused on my primary duty. I need to be doing all these other things, right? It's you have to revise the precepts, 
refocus these ECPs, do all these other things that demonstrate to sailors that this is the this is the thing that matters, right? Technical mastery is the number one priority. It should be weighted as such, and it's not. And until you do that, anything you write in these documents and any adjustment a chief tries to make is going to be largely irrelevant because the best chief on the planet Earth can inspire their his his or her sailors to do a lot of incredible things but when those no matter what that chief says or does right not only like is the sailor going to see that uh even though the chief can reward them in in ways that will make that sailor feel good they're gonna see all of their peers advancing faster because that chief has to go into those ranking boards and justify that ranking they have to go into those sailor quarter sailor of the year boards and justify that sailor's position and if all they can say is they're really good at their job which the only qualified judge of is that in rate chief like what are, there's no way They'll be a solid MP, like middle of the road, maybe top of the heap MP, if what they're doing is visible to the whole command. But like outside of that, if they're not doing things that are visible to the whole command, they're not going to rank high. That's that's the culture you're fighting against. So saying that we're going to make it the number one priority, it's like, okay, cool. Sounds nice, but it's never going to happen until you make actual meaningful adjustments to the things that drive behavior, <laughs> which is promotion. And, and like the documents that... Are, are responsible for constructing that system. It's 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 frustrating. Um, let's see where, how how long this is. We're at 36 minutes. I'm going to wrap this up with a little bit of a summary and how I feel about it, because I think it like if I had 36 minutes to talk about just this one warfighting competency document, then I'm just going to do another spin the yarn for the uh, call or not the What's the other one? Professional character development one. And then when I, the third one comes out, I'll do it on that. But these these documents hurt my heart, man, because again, like I'm sure Honey's a great dude. I'm sure he really wants to make meaningful change, but I feel like his feet are stuck in quicksand because he's an antique and his understanding of how these things work isn't like hasn't been updated in in over a decade and so it's like you have you have all these ways that you could do this um and and i don't know how much of this is like him uh telling his staff like hey these are the priorities and then his staff is failing to take the actions necessary um like all those things i just delineated for the making technical mastery the number one priority like maybe he's like i'm sure like he thinks he, when he fires out these documents that the McPond's leadership mess is going to just leap into action and start doing all those things. Um, I don't think that's real. Like, I'm sure there's a few. Like, I'm sure there's some people that are going to try to do that. Um, I just, I think there needs to be more granularity. I think he, he needs to spend less time jet-setting around doing all-hands calls and spend more time jet-setting around and, and understanding how these things work. Go, go fly to to Nitsi and have a conversation with those people on what their problems are, what we can do to be better and then take action on those things. Cause like, I mean, there there's probably sailors in the Navy that think it's cool to go to a McPon all hands call. I've never, it's a waste of time. It's it, cause like you get non-answer answers to your questions. Anyway, the rest of it is a bunch of like regurgitation of stuff like this, like these memos, like the content of them. And these are my priorities and these are what I'm going to do, except I'm going to spend the first year I'm in office not doing any of it, at least not any of it that we can see. Um, 
it's just frustrating because it's like, dude, spend your time trying to fix it. I don't need to see you in my AOR. I need to see you via a video on social media at Nitsi, at Bupers, at CNP, at uh, whatever the Navy advancement people are in Pensacola. Uh, I forget the command name. But like all over the Navy making like with all these TICOMs saying, hey, un like... <laughs> Unf your ECPs and releasing like draft like these are the things we're revising in the precepts. These are this is how we're gonna make technical mastery the number one priority. I like I'm gonna hold my breath and hope that those things are inbound and he's just a little too slow for my taste to get to that point because I think the danger in you being too slow and spending your first year flying around the Navy doing not very much that I view as productive. It's like you just wasted all that time you could have spent getting the ball rolling on these things so that by your third year or maybe a fourth year, I think normally they're only there for like three years. Um, you can be like stitching those things up and kind of maybe putting bulwarks in place to make sure that some of the stuff is, is, is like, uh, resilient to the whims of whoever's next, you know, like I just, how are you going to make any meaningful change if you're starting now? Why didn't I get these policy? Why didn't I get these policy memos a, a year ago? You know, and, and these are my priorities should have been a day one document. Right. And then these memos may be within the first 60 to 90 days. And then he should have been out there. And I, I've often made a joke of like, if I was ever king for a day, like if I was ever McPon, I would just like back to basics type stuff. I would just put it like a phone book and just metaphorically, of course, run around the fleet, beating people over the head with it. And that's what I would have loved to see. I would have loved to see Honey or any other McPon that comes after them taking the things in this document serious through action like these documents should have been out in the first 90 days and then he should have spent the rest of that year and subsequent years creating change to existing structures create helping to create new policies because there's a lot of misunderstanding about how like everybody likes to say well like because every instruction signed out by an officer the mcpon has no say in policy and that's like comically untrue especially when it comes to chiefs the cno 99.9 percent .9 of the time is just gonna sign whatever honey puts in front of him in relation to the training and priorities of chief petty officers right it's not like they don't have a conversation ahead of time because the mcpon has to take the cno's priorities which also exist and make sure that those are applied to all the things that that he's doing but to, to think that the CNO is going to try to shove anything down his throat in relation to how like chief's initiation happens, what like laying to the keel, laying the keel or whatever replaces that even like CPO, the CPO uh, leadership course through NLIC and all that kind of stuff. It's like the CNO is not getting in the weeds on that stuff. Like, yeah, does does that person, whoever CNO sign that document, putting it into a policy position? Yeah, they approve those things. But that doesn't mean that like the MCPON doesn't effectively unilaterally make those decisions because he does. And there's a lot of things that he can just do. He can just let, hey, CNO, I'm going to release this memo saying and he's like, yeah, whatever, man, dude, do you though? That's yours. I don't care. You know, like if you think that's not happening, you're out of your mind. Like the McPon, a hundred, like hundred percent has 
basically like functionally unilateral control over chief specific policy and can make a lot of meaningful change to a lot of other policy by doing the work, going to those places, having those conversations, bringing back information and like supporting documentary evidence and briefing the CNO on a planned change to whatever or the CNP or whoever the hell we're talking about. Right. Um, that's what I would love to see. And unfortunately, I don't think we will. Um, you know, I can't not hope for <laughs> to be surprised by these people. I just because I care a lot about uh, the organization and the people that comprise it. But um, yeah, I this is not encouraging. I do like that he this guy and that's what's more. The, that's what makes it even more tragic is I do think Jim Honey has a a good like um, a good set of priorities and a, and a good like I think his his uh, compass is aligned correctly, you know, but I don't think that he understands the the opportunity he has to make meaningful change. I think he's kind of conforming to what he expects or what people expect out of a McPon and just kind of is conforming to the uh, norms of whatever ecosystem he finds himself in the Pentagon. I just, I would be flipping tables over and breaking stuff, but that's me. And that's probably why I'm retired. <laughs> anyway, uh, I hope that was informative uh, and or, helps you cope with the content of those documents being largely uh just like smoke and mirrors um again i don't i don't think he released them with the idea that they're just like uh hey look i'm doing my job everybody and not with like where he really didn't intend to make any meaningful change i just don't think that the approach is going to accomplish any meaningful change i think these documents are going to be largely dismissed by almost everyone and that sucks because, again, like I like his priorities. I like some of the things he had to say. Some of the other things just seemed like leadership incompetence. But, you know, like I, I don't think he has the awareness that he needs because he's not spending time actually learning what the problems are. He's jet setting around the fleet doing an all hands call thinking that that's him learning what all the problems are. And that's not real. But uh, yeah. If you need anything from us, hit us up. Don't give up the ship podcast at gmail.com. You can Facebook message us. Don't give up the ship podcast. Or you can DM us on Instagram, Reddit, or Discord at DGUS Podcast. If you want to support us, you can go to DGUSPodcast.com. There's a donate button on the website. Or you can go to Don't Give Up the Ship Apparel. Uh, it's DGUSApparel.com. Get yourself some naval pride and heritage gear. You'll actually wear in public. We got a bunch of new drops. We got an aviation community shirt, a couple of like crypto slash Intel community shirts, uh, and a doc. I got one for the Corman up there now, too, a doc shirt. So go check those out. Um, I'll, I'll post those on social media probably today. Uh, I just haven't gotten around to it. I've had a lot going on personally and with school and stuff, but, um, yeah. And then the, probably the best way, patreon.com slash D podcast, uh, pick one of the five tiers, become a member today. It really helps, uh, pay the bills and expand the platform. It's, it's amazing. And you get a lot of really cool benefits too. Uh, and then if you can't afford to spend any coin, I understand, uh, like review, subscribe, all the things, right? Like subscribe on YouTube, share the videos, tag your friends in the podcast posts, whatever, send them links. It all helps, including just listening. Uh, it all kind of leverages algorithms to get the message out there. So anything you can do to support us, we really, really appreciate it. Uh, and that's it. That's what I got for you today. Thank you so much for listening and don't give up the ship. <laughs>